1: Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the
2: popcorn ready. It's going to be a show.
1: And Ron Wolfley.
2: It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Zero chance. There is zero chance here on the Big Red Rage tonight. That Ron Wolfley will run roughshod and have the last word tonight. There is zero chance that Wolf will cut off any of my brilliant takes, Paulie Pigskin here this evening, just like there's zero chance that Wolf will be allowed to go on some five minute soliloquy waxing poetic about Devontae Wyatt. Or maybe 12 personnel. Zero chance. Or getting under center. Zero chance <laughs> that, that so we're going to fail that we're going to fail, yes, I'm calling my shot, that we're going to fail to put the big into Big Red Rage tonight because our big-time guest, none other than a seven-time Pro Bowl receiver by the name of A.J. Green here on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi here, Ron Wolfley there.
0: You know what, Paul, he cannot wait for that once again because um, A.J. Green and the ability, I know you had the opportunity to talk to him a little bit earlier uh, in the day. But A.J. Green, this is going to be a situation, Paul, where the Arizona Cardinals, it's interesting, they love their free agency from a year ago so much, they're doubling down on it once again. And and to me, Paul, that is an admission by them that they believe the 10-2 was real.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're saying it with the checkbook. They're saying it with the roster moves. They're saying that whatever was ill and ailing this team over the last six weeks of the season when they lost five of their final six, including the playoff loss at the Rams, is correctable. Is something yes. we can do something about. That's essentially what they're saying. You're right. When you hit Zoom out and you look at the big picture. On the Big Red. And it'll be interesting because A.J. Green, we had a chance, you know, at length to discuss a lot of these issues. He talks about Kyler Murray. He talks about his chemistry or lack thereof with Kyler Murray. He's very forthright. He's much more honest in this setting. We had more time to deal with it than he did with the media via Zoom earlier in the week. So that's straight ahead. But I mentioned the quote, zero chance. And we mentioned Kyler Murray because Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury met the media today, as you know, Ron Wolfley. And, well, we'll just get right to it. Ken Summers, longtime Cardinals reporter and local columnist, was the one who asked the question of the Cardinals GM.
1: There's been a lot of speculation out there, the possibility of you guys trading Kyler. Can you rule that out? Zero chance. Do you believe it, Ron (laughs) Wolfley?
0: Yes. You know what I do, Paulie? I do because of how definitive he said that. Now, You know, once again, um, I understand things can change and do change down the road. But, yeah, he said it so definitively, Paul, and with no follow-up whatsoever. I think that was, it was done on purpose by Steve Kime and I think it points to where the Arizona Cardinals are headed on this, which means at some point in time, after the draft, probably not before, but after the draft, there's going to be an extension of Kyler Murray
2: because tis the season for smoke screens. We, we know what this is all about. Uh, a lot of people correctly pointed out there were similar comments made leading up to the 2019 draft about Josh Rosen when Kyler Murray was the number one pick. Now, the circumstances are completely different this time around Correct. for a lot of obvious reasons we don't have to get into. But, and, and I'm with you, I, I do believe it. I mean, honestly, what are the alternatives? What are the alternatives? If Kyler Murray isn't your quarterback, even if you get a Mondo draft hall El Grande, then what? You're automatically back in QB purgatory. You're right where you've been in between Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer, and Carson Palmer and Kyler Murray. You're looking for that next guy, and there's no guarantee, no matter how many picks you have, that you're going to find the right guy.
0: So, once again, Paulie, uh, I'll continue to talk about the fact that the Cardinals, instead of being aggressive in free agency, they decided to be aggressive in pursuing their own guys and the possibility of winning games with their own guys all over again, which tells me they think they have something. To your point, Polly, they think they have something that is fixable, completely fixable the way they finished the last two seasons.
2: And by the way, Michael Bidwell, team owner to Kent Summers as well, on the potential that there might be a Kyler Murray trade, and we're quoting Michael Bidwell, quote, yeah, that's not happening. There's just too much outside noise that people listen to. We understand that's just part of what goes on these days with social media. It's just not the case. And your point about the timeline, and we've talked about this for two, three months now here on the Big Red Rage, have we not, how the other six quarterbacks – After year three, who got their contract extensions, if you go back, every one of them was in June, July, August, or September. And Steve Kime, he doubled down on that.
3: The way we've approached it is we have free agency, we have the draft. And then, you know, we'll take a deep breath and sort of refocus. And that's the same reason that every other player that's been a third-year quarterback has been done in the middle of the summer to late summer. And it's just sort of the way that, that the system works. And, but, but nothing has changed in terms of him being our long-term and short-term quarterback.
2: And, and Steve Kime did verify with the media that he has spoken recently to Team Kyler about a contract. So, you know, considering the comments made and just sort of the vibe... At today's press conference. And then you take into account Kyler's tweets, and you wonder, Wolf, if there has not been some significant progress in forward momentum to getting that deal done.
0: Boy, you know what? You just you just said it, Paulie, right there. The reason why I think I'm going to put this in the positive column in a big, big way, it's because of Kyler Murray's tweets. I'm sorry. I hate I... Listen, they, you, nobody's ever going to be able to convince me the social media thing wasn't a thing.
2: Right? Oh, it was it, a thing. No,
0: I'm just saying, he scrubbed it, and and suddenly, um, you know what? Uh, there was an all caps letter that was sent out as well. You know, I mean, listen, um, I don't think we're we're naive or or stupid here. So once again, it was a thing, and Kyler Murray has used it in the way that he used Twitter. I absolutely loved because he was supporting him being an Arizona Cardinal in 2022 and going forward and being committed.
2: And there were basically three tweets today from Kyler Murray, and two in response. One, late in the day, was uh, Ian Rappaport, and he tweeted out that quote from Steve Kimes, zero chance for trading Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray's response via Twitter was 100, as in 100%. Yep. As, you know. And then and then there was Kyler in response to the Patrick Peterson Podcast that featured Chase Edmonds. And in light of some shade thrown by Pat P, not the first time, towards his former team, Kyler's response, and I quote, I want to win Super Bowls with the Cardinals. AZ is home. And tweet Kyler Murray.
0: Paulie, that was intentional. That that much we do know, right? I mean, that was an intentional act right there by Kyler Murray to support his team. And again, I'm going to put that in the positive column and expect and make make me think that a deal is going to get done and it's going to get done after
2: the draft. And then the third tweet was in response to Colin Cowherd. And, and Cowherd was on this, this rant and there was a graphic on his TV show that read, and I quote, Kyler is harder to build a culture around. That's all it said, right? And then and then he was comparing Kyler to an Aaron Rodgers and guys who do their own thing. And, and Kyler's reply via Twitter was, and I quote, run whatever narratives y'all want to run, but questioning my work ethic? I'm not going for that. Stop playing with me, Colin. I still rock with you, but come on. End tweet, Kyler Murray.
0: Yeah, you know what? He, I mean, just the fact he is engaging what is going on and being said out there instead of the Sound of silence, I think, is a positive. Don't you, Paulie?
2: Absolutely. I mean, the fact that, uh, you know, he's, A, the fact that he's actually acknowledging that he's part of the Cardinals' future. Which, to your point, when he scrubbed the Instagram, right, when there was no trace or barely a trace of the team he played for. So, now at least you have he's commenting, basically, on having a future with the team and we get it it's all part of the contract process and the back and forth and the negotiations and, and there's a realization I think on Kyler's part that he has a great fit with the offense and the head coach does he not no doubt and, and then the GM right I mean and this isn't me this is Steve Keim listen to Steve Keim and what he had to say about having a franchise quarterback
3: I was a decent GM when Carson Palmer was our quarterback when he retired I wasn't very good I am smart enough to know that Kyler Murray makes me a better GM, so he, you know, again, we took him with the first overall pick. We love him. The guys continue to improve. He's made us a better football team, so we're really excited about his future.
2: How many times does Steve Kime tell us on this very show that pre-Kyler Murray, every single day he would wake up and think to himself, how and where am I getting a franchise quarterback? Yes,
0: no, that's right, Paulie. I mean, that is the problem right there, but to his point. Steve Kime, re- how many times has he won the NFL Executive of the Year Award? Twice, Paul, Correct. as a matter of fact. And um, it's, it's laughable when you talk about Steve Kime in the way that a lot of people out there don't want Steve Kime to be the general manager for the Arizona Cardinals. I'm sorry. You know what? You, you built a team, a playoff team, a playoff-caliber team, not once but twice. And I realized you could say, "Well, it was over the course of nine years and everything." Well, you know what? A lot of times you're finding a quarterback that you're going to roll with three, four years. And Steve Keim found two different quarterbacks and built two different teams that actually went to the
2: playoffs. And by That's the way,
0: undeniable.
2: Yes, and by the way, doesn't that go for every single GM? I mean, Jason Light before Tom Brady. The Buccaneers were on a 12-year run of no playoff appearances. <laughs> what were the Buccaneers going to look like this year minus Tom Brady until he unretired and came back, right? Yeah, I mean, and good look, for Jay Light, too. Sure, Good sure. for Jason. And, he, and he's not – look at John Schneider up in Seattle. Look at his last <laughs> six or seven draft classes or lack thereof. Yes. And then they got rid of Russell Wilson. Good luck. The last place Seahawks on that one. So, okay. If they're tracking and trending towards a contract extension, what does that mean for Kyla Murray now that the offseason activities began officially this week? Well, Cliff Kingsbury was at the press conference and he was asked that question.
4: You know, we understand it's voluntary at this point. Um, I do expect him here at some point, but uh, I think if you ask any coach, we'd all want him here a lot more than we get him. But that's part of the CBA and um, they're all professionals and handle their business.
2: So this week, you know, Wolf, it's weight room work and it's, you know, some conditioning out no. on the field. There's no actual football going on. But I will say, and, and A.J. Green, we asked A.J. Green about it, coming up here in a matter of moments on, on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, that, you know, if one of the keys to this offense is getting the receivers on the same page with the quarterback and developing greater chemistry in the passing game and that connection and everyone being in sync and especially when the game's on the line, you know what, to me, these off-season activities are important when it comes to football. Yeah. And I don't I don't care if it's on air. I don't care if it's 7 on 7. I don't care if it's just the offense before they can even go against the defense. Kyler throwing to a receiver who's got to be in the right spot at the right time and get that precision in the passing game, that matters.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that, Paulie, but you know, can I just also throw in the fact that I think even strength and conditioning matters. I do. I'm sorry. Listen, this is when you get a great opportunity to work out with your teammate, Paul. You get a great opportunity to get to know, relationally, your teammate better than you will when you actually go into the regular season. And the reason being, of course, the regular season, Paul, there's so much structure, there's so much order, there's so much stress. It's a get-to-now, do-everything-now check. A, B, C, D, all the boxes now. Um, You're more split up than you are in the off-season, of course, where you've don't, you don't you do not have this rigid schedule all day long. Paulie, I used to love it. I used to love going in and working out with my brothers. Whether it was running out on the field, Paul, whether it was in the weight room throwing around. So I, I don't want to say that's not important because I think that's where you really build a lot of relationships as well. But look across the NFL, man. There's not a lot of guys that are showing up for strength and conditioning.
2: Hey, you push each other, right? I mean, oh, guys totally. push each other. And you have the NFL Strength Coach of the Year and Buddy Morris. So what's not to like, right? Cut the just, sleeves off now. <laughs> just like the Draft Weekend Country Concert presented by SeatGeek featuring Ryan Hurd, Blanco, Callista Clark. It is Saturday, April 30th, next weekend, next Saturday, on the Great Lawn at State Farm Stadium. For tickets and information, go to SportsmanSparkAZ.com. That's SportsmanSparkAZ.com. AJ Green is next, and we get into some of these questions about the offense and the quarterback and chemistry. The Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert.
1: Let's start that off as Bruce Arians. Actually, I'm talking about, that. Murray and shotgun snapped a collar at a tiny little short set. See how I did that? Short set, little bit. Now throwing deep far side and it's pulled in at the five yard line. All right. Hold <laughs> on, I got to grab myself a crown royal here. Have a little sippy dippy. <laughs>
2: little sippy dippy, Daddy. Right. Oopsie doo dipperoo. Finish the call as Jack Nicholson.
1: A.J. Green, just too strong. Too big. Too
2: athletic. Do <laughs> to Tracy Morgan.
1: Oh, what a great read by Kyler Murray to throw the
4: ball.
2: Say it as Morgan Freeman. What a great read by Kyler Murray to throw the
1: ball. You've got a scarecrow on a stick. <laughs> Put it out there. Let him go get it. That's exactly what A.J. Green did. Can you do it
2: as Liam Neeson?
3: What a great read by Kyler Murray to throw the ball. You've got a scarecrow on a stick. <laughs> put it out there <laughs> let him go get it that's exactly what a.j green did All
2: Right. the unmistakable frank caliendo the mind the voices of only one frank caliendo on the Never Pash dissolve. pod recently as he recreated the different voices the a.j green 41 yard touchdown catch was Against the L.A. Rams, Week Four, and now we have the real A.J. Green in studio here on the Big Red Rage. Your reaction just to hearing all the voices recreate that call?
4: Hey, AJ- man, he's he's very talented. He sounds just like them. Never yeah. heard anything that good that um, he can do. Each person like that so well. <laughs> so he's
2: he's a very talented guy. What's all good for you right now? Why Arizona? Why year two with the Cardinals?
4: Uh, I think um, if you look at my year last year. You know, I had a productive year, and I feel like my second year was going to be even more productive. Um, you know, I had other offers and different places wanted me, but um, you know, I made a decision that what fits me well. I didn't. I didn't have to start over. I know what the coach is like. I know the culture here. I know what they envision me going to be coming into this year, like I was last year. So, for me, it's just not all about the money. It's about still building my legacy, and um, I think it was the best part for me.
2: And there's room to grow, isn't there? I mean, I need two hands to count how many times last year Cliff Kingsbury told us, man, we need to get the ball to number 18 more. Yeah. A.J. Green needs to get more targets. So so do you see the, your role evolving? Yeah.
4: I think so. I think from last year even, you know, I, a lot of people didn't expect me to do that well in this offense. Um, I think being another year with Cliff and, and Kyler and, and just getting that relationship more because I felt like in the end we tailed off a little bit. Once K1 got hurt and coming back, um, things were a little off and then D-Hop got hurt. Um, so I hope in this year we can gel throughout the whole season.
2: How much did the Cardinals offense leave out there in the last two months? I think we left a lot.
4: You know, just looking back, even going back and just reflecting on the season and watching some of the games that we missed. You know, me personally, I didn't finish the season to where I wanted to finish. Um, And I got to be better on that.
2: How do you diagnose it? I mean, until you can correct
4: a problem, you got to identify it, right? I think it's just a lot of communication with us. You know, being this league for so long, these NFL seasons is up and down, and we started so hot. Um, I think the leadership of our team, you know, tailed off a little bit. I think we just had some miss ups, you know, injury. Well, that's not an excuse, but I think next year, I mean, this year's coming up. We just got to be more honing on our details.
2: What does D-Hop do for you? And what do you do for D-Hop?
4: And I think D-Hop, you know, he demands attention and uh I think that's what helps everybody else this offense jail when he's going. You know, last year we had C Kirk and I and and then D Hop. Defense couldn't really key on one person and and when that happened, C Kirk had a good game or I have a good game. So, having him out there just changed the whole dynamic of the game.
2: The fact you're both South Carolina guys too. Yeah. Do you, do you have an is it is it next level in terms of connection in the in the way you guys just sort of interact and get along?
4: I think we this is our personality. Both wanna win. We don't care about the balls. We already been that guy catching a lot of balls. We just wanna win and try to get a ring. I think that's what helps us out in that room. we had a great room. One of the probably the best rooms I've been a part of last year when we had those guys, man, and I'm excited to get back with, you know, Sean Jay and, and Cliff and get this thing rolling.
2: And I know you guys. And we're on board with AJ Green here on the big red rage. I mean you're so competitive, you guys are perfectionists, you're mm-hmm. demanding yourselves. How about you and your game? Where would you like to get better? You mentioned three times you led the team in catches, five times in receiving yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you tied with C. Kirk for uh, most uh, 25-yard catches, You know, et cetera. I mean, there's a lot of great – but if you're going to strive to improve upon last year, where and how for you? Uh, for,
4: for me, it's just more my, my attention to details just being on key with Kyler at all times, communicating with him. I think that's, for me, that's what I got to do better is communicating with K1. Just not let it be somebody else communicating what I'm saying to him. It's being me face-to-face to him and telling me what he's and what I need to do, you know, just, just things like that.
2: Because if you listen to fans, a lot of times they say, man, it just seemed at times that Kyler and A.J. weren't quite on the same page. Mm-hmm. Fair? Yeah, Unfair?
4: That's fair. No, that's fair. That's 100 percent fair, and I, I felt the same way. Um, so that's where me got to be accountable, going to him and telling him what I see and what he needs me to do better. I can take it, like AJ. You need to run this route at this depth. You need to do this. You know, it's no big. I'm not. I'm no bigger than the team. Man, I need him to communicate with me, and 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 I'll do the same.
2: Where do you think, in terms of Kyler and his upside, and just as a quarterback, what do you see the, in the future for him?
4: Man, he's an MVP caliber guy. Man, um, I think the injury threw him off a little bit, but if you look at the first couple games, man, he was playing at MVP level, and for me, it just got to continue helping him, bringing him along, and I mean, he's not a guy that's going to be in your face, but we got to make him be in his face, because this is his team, and we go as he go.
2: What does it mean for a receiver when he's extending plays? I forget which defensive (laughs) coordinator it was. They showed video of, like, he extended a play 13 seconds, and then completed a pass, but what does it mean for you guys in the receiver room?
4: Oh, man, it's it's another part of the offense, There's another part of the offense that a lot of defense is not, you can't account for. You see a guy just running around making guys miss, and then all the roster all broke off. So it's it's backyard football. And I I had to get used to that. I wasn't used to that. You know, I played with Andy Dalton 10 years, so he was just on the time. But playing with K1 the play's never dead so (laughs) I gotta stay alive
2: (laughs) AJ Green our guest on the Big Red Rage it's all about you presented by Santan Ford Uh, James Conner your reaction when the Cardinals re-signed James Conner you're nodding right now aren't you yeah yeah. why why is that what does he do for this offense and just the vibe on the sideline
4: I've been seeing JC since Pittsburgh Day so I understand what he he could do Uh, but watching him his energy he brings to the, the locker room is unmatched He's the same guy every day. And I'm so happy that he signed back here, man. He deserves it, man. He had an unbelievable season. If you see that guy work, you're like, he need more money. He need way more money. <laughs> he need more money than that. <laughs> uh, but just to have him back uh, and he make him him the Pro Bowl, his whole story, yep. he, you root for guys like that. And, and James is an unbelievable guy.
2: His physicality, <sighs> his mentality. Mm-hmm. You bring a Max Williams back, yeah, yeah. right? He had a Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. is this offense trending in a certain direction? Because when you guys were at your best, you were a physical offense, weren't you?
4: Yes, and I think people didn't understand how physical we were. They look at us and being the more finesse, but we put on tape that we can be physical when we need to. So I, I we got to continue this next year, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm glad we got we got most of our pieces back, so we can make a run at this thing again,
2: including Rondale Moore going yeah. into year two. Sean yeah. Jefferson, your receivers coach, sat in that very chair and he yeah. talked about Rondale Moore. And what's in store for him in year two? What do you see? Because he, he talked about getting the ball to him downfield more, expanding the route tree, mm-hmm. and he talked mm-hmm. about how capable Rondell yeah. Moore is. Oh, well, he's
4: very capable. I think people get lost in what he did last year and how he was used. But if you go look like, at his college tape, the guy has great hands, great routes, great run after the catch. Um, so I feel like he's going to make a, a huge leap from last year to this year. Um, it's going to be special. Mm-hmm. There's a guy that works his butt off as well.
2: A lot of the mock drafts have the Cardinals go on receiver in round yeah. one, if not, then in round two. When a young receiver comes in, what do you look for? I mean, guys like me, I can see the measurables, you know, yeah. maybe some of the production. What do you look for when you see a young receiver? I think it's that competitiveness.
4: You know, you, you think you made it. Um, my mentality was always there that you got to reinvent yourself. And I think when you see young guys like that, when you see Rondell and how he approached stuff last year, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for, a guy that's, put his head down, don't talk that
2: much, just go to work every day. So you had other offers, huh? You had other offers. out You thought about it, huh, A.J.?
4: No, I didn't. Uh, it was, you know, you know how that free agency yeah. thing works. Um, I'm at a place in my career where I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable and yeah, I can take my time. I, I have that ability to take my time, but I felt like this was the right place for me.
2: Yeah. And i tell you, we're all grateful that uh, the place for you is Arizona. So congratulations on that. Thank you. We we'll, look you. forward to this year. Thank you. A.J. Green on the Big Red Rage. We continue right after this.
1: He hey, let's get it! Hey, let's go! And Jeff Clackney like a shot chops him down.
4: Let's go! Let's get him, man!
2: it's a freebie we, we got an, an extra first round pick you know basically in free agency incredibly quick-footed uh highly instinctive player uh it's a reason again he went in the first round and we're getting a you know a, a starter in our building with and, and we didn't you know waste any draft capital right. basically so um he, he helps us out immediately excited to have him and he's going to help big time again us taking that next step Director of Player Personnel, Drew Grigson, last week here on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. And that was the word that stood out about Jeff Gladney starter. I mean, we heard Paul Allen on the Vikings radio. You heard him all mic'd up. Jeff Gladney is rookie year. He sat out last year, so this will be year number three, the former first-round pick. You're a little bit of a scouting report, but when you hear Drew Grigson use the word starter, you realize that they're counting on Jeff Gladney to make an impact immediately, Ron Wolfley.
0: Yeah, no, you're right about that, Paulie. And the other thing you've got to remember, of course, for the most part, I think most teams and most defensive coordinators and general managers think you got to have three starters at the corner position because Dang. of how much, poly the UC team's going with 11 personnel. One back, one tight end, three wide
2: receivers. And
0: because of that, they pretty much feel like that nickel corner is a starter as well.
2: And time they have the ability to move Byron Murphy around, right? So let's say Gladney can, and he's only five ten. You know, they say, okay, he plays bigger. He does have the ability to match up against outside guys. But if he is that guy, because we know Vance Joseph likes Byron Murphy to use him quite often in certain matchups inside. Does he not?
0: Yeah, there's no doubt, Paulie. I don't consider a corner that is five ten to be small. I, I, I'm sorry, I don't. And. Obviously, there are teams out there that feel exactly the same way because they draft a lot of guys who are 5'10", 5'11", 6' tall, right in that range in terms of playing corner. I, I don't think he's necessarily small for the position. I think if you want to start talking about being under 5'10", I get that. But I can't tell you how many guys I've seen, how many corners I've seen that are 5'10", 5'10 and a half, and almost 200 pounds 195 pounds are stocky and play the position just fine yeah
2: well all right speaking of positions the question to steve kime at his annual draft press conference pre-draft presser was all right positions of need what do you think to the gm steve kime
3: we all would acknowledge that you know edge rusher wide receiver corner you know, any of those positions that are, you know, they're hard to find. I mean, listen, when guys get to free agency and they get paid the kind of money they get, you know, you're looking at left tackles, corners, you know, guys that are really hard to find, obviously quarterbacks. Now receivers are playing into that a little bit. Obviously, you know, when you see some of the salaries that these guys are getting at the, the receiver position, if you can get a number one receiver, there's no reason not to take one.
2: And there's no doubt about that. I think the stat is there's eight receivers now making 18 million or more per season in the NFL. Mm. I mean, it is absolutely rocketed. We know what Christian Kirk has done to the salary structure for NFL receivers around the league, but when I hear him cite positions, Wolf, because we know how low the GMs are to actually name names and positions, right. so when, when he says edge rusher, wide receiver and corner, you know what my first thought was sitting there at that press conference today? What was that, that, means, that means that the Arizona Cardinals in round one are going to draft either O-line or D-line. <laughs> That's what that means. That was my tell You know what, it's so
0: funny you say that, Paulie, because the honest it's that time of year right now is it not? It is that time of year where you can't believe anything that a general manager actually says in front of a a microphone. Why in the world would a GM ever tip off anybody in particular other GMs across the league as to how he might go or how he might unfold in the draft? It's not going to happen. Why would anybody do that? They wouldn't.
2: you know, in my what thirty years now doing this covering an NFL team, the only person I've seen get up there before the draft in front of a mic and actually tell the
0: truth—it's
2: Bruce Arians. I
0: know who you're truth,
2: say. It's Bruce <laughs> I knew it. Yes, it's BA. And what did he say after the draft? He said, "Well, everybody thinks I'm lying." Exactly. So I just reverse engineered it, <laughs> and I used some reverse psychology, and I told you all where we were going, and nobody believed me anyway.
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. At this point in time, yeah. you've got to consider the source, don't you, BA? Yeah.
2: So, Paulie,
0: would you agree with Steve Kime in regard to positions of need right there? He mentions the edge, of course, and the corner and wide receiver. Yeah, I I think those are positions of need, and I also will throw in defensive tackle, especially when a guy that might be a little freaky, uh, maybe a Jordan Davis there, maybe a Devontae Wyatt, Paul, you know, either one of those guys – Honestly, you've got a lot invested in Isaiah Simmons, do you not, Paul? You've got a lot invested in Zavin Collins, do you not? And you
2: doubled down, right, with with Zavin Collins the next year.
0: Yes. I mean, you got to protect these guys and try to keep them clean. Why? Because they can run. It's one of the things that put them in the first round. One of the reasons why the Cardinals loved them. They can run, they can cover. They can run with tight ends down the seam, either one of them. They can run with running backs. They can, you've got to protect those guys and let them run and let them make tackles.
2: I tell you, if, if you want to believe anything about the mock drafts, and, and okay, I don't say that lightly, but there is one trend in all these mock drafts that Baltimore supposedly, allegedly, cannot stay away from Jordan Davis – that Jordan Davis is just a Baltimore Raven in the making. And so if they go with Jordan Davis, Wolf, you might get your wish. You might get Devontae Wyatt. He might fall to number 23 and the Arizona Cardinals. But but if Steve Kime was in the trust tree and he had the lie detector on and he had to answer that question honestly, truthfully, the top three positions of need would be edge, edge, edge. An edge Mm. because there's only one position group on this team right now, Ron Wolfley. Where you can't go into Week One and say, "All right, we have legitimate starters." You can't say that at Edge. You have Marcus Golden and a couple of backups. You really don't have another starting quality caliber edge, and that's something that's going to have to be addressed, whether it's a draft or free agency.
0: Yeah, you know what, Paulie, you're right about that. Uh, I think they could get an edge guy. This this draft is so deep. If you listen to some of the experts, Paul, and you know me, uh, I'm not one of those draft expert guys. I really am not. And one of the reasons why is because a rookie, you got to prove it to me. I can't tell you how many rookies I've seen. Oh, my goodness, this guy's going to be a pro bowler. This guy is going to change the dynamic of our defense. He's going to change our offense. He's going to go. He's going to be an all pro. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this about rookies, and yet they just couldn't play, Paul. And that was a problem right there. So I don't put (laughs) a ton of stock into it. I don't. But having said that, Paul, this draft is supposedly very, very deep on the edge. Maybe there's a guy there at 55, Paul. That maybe. you're going to be able to get at 55, who yeah. could be a difference maker.
2: I mean, some of those names: Nick Benito, Oklahoma. Yes. Arnold Ebikadi from Penn State, Boye yes. Mathe from Minnesota, Josh Paschal, Kentucky. Maybe Drake Jackson, USC didn't have Boy, a great workout. All over it, Paul. So you know, or or maybe the Cardinals trade up if one of those elite pass rusher guys is within range. Because Steve Kime was asked about whether he's placed or received any calls on the trade front.
3: Well, I've had some calls, you know, guys that just want to let me know that, hey, we're willing to move around, and then I've done the same, you know, guys that you generally talk to uh, prior to the draft and just let them know we're up in for business.
2: Well, wow. you like, for example, for example, if you're thinking receiver, 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 there at 23, and then look at four of the five teams in front of you, those teams all supposedly are targeting receiver as well. The Eagles, the Saints, the Packers, the Patriots, all have a serious, dire need for receivers. So when he says, oh, you know what, I've had some conversations maybe moving up four or five spots, to me that is directly in consideration of those teams in front of him all may take receiver and leave yeah. the Cardinals holding the bag.
0: Yeah, Paulie, and, and once again, um, I don't know about you, but I, I've heard from some of the draft experts that there could be as many as seven wide receivers wow. taken in the first round, and if that, in fact, is the case, Um, Yeah, maybe you do want to move up because you really love somebody or you covet somebody. But there's supposedly a drop-off at that position um, after seven or eight receivers. There's supposed to be a considerable drop-off. And maybe that's one of the reasons why you would move up, Paul.
2: Maybe. Maybe. I mean, you know, it's all part of of why the nfl draft is so highly rated when it comes to the tv ratings right i mean it's just it's reality tv sports it's the original reality tv and steve kime talked about draft day and the potential for a big deal
3: it's a fast-moving process that's probably the one thing in the draft that creates the most excitement is whenever those trade conversations start because the the level of excitement in the room sort of rises but more than anything, whether you agree with the trade uh, chart or the points, more than anything, it, to me, it's an instinctive thing. You've got to feel good about what you're doing, and as long as uh, you trust your gut, I think you'll be in a good
2: position. So, Wolf, which position group would you feel more comfortable targeting in round two? Meaning, would you go edge in round one or receiver in round two, or vice versa, or are, we, are you thinking a different position group altogether?
0: Paulie, I'm just, I mean, honestly, right now, everybody, everybody that I've talked to, everybody that I've read, Everybody that I truly respect about this, they talk about how deep the edge is. The edge. And if you're, if you're really serious about that, hey, listen, maybe you could get a wide receiver, Paulie, at number 23. Maybe you could get one of those wide receivers at number 23 and still get an edge guy at number 55. That, to me, how do you see it, Paul?
2: Yeah, you know, Steve Kime has never drafted a receiver in round one. And the Cardinals' recent track record with a lot of receivers in the draft, uh, not robust to be sure. And honestly, I'm the guy who the last three years said check the hit rate for the position group that fared the worst in round one, and it's been receiver. Yeah. But I think this is the exception. To your point, seven receivers could go in round one, and that would match the all-time record, which, by the way, was 2004 when Larry Fitzgerald was the first receiver off the board and number three overall. I, I get it. And after we all witnessed what happened to the Cardinals' offense minus D-Hop last year? Yeah. Uh, That sort of reinforces (laughs) the need for this team.
0: Yeah, you know what? It's so interesting, though. What do you do? Do you go get a guy like a Jamison Williams? Do you go get that guy who can change the dynamic of a defense because he can run by so many guys? Do you try to find a run-by guy, even though Jamison Williams don't get sidetracked with the fact that he, he he, he might not be able to play until like November, but I'm talking about a speed guy. Maybe you are you going to draft a speed guy, Paul, or are you going to draft a guy that like a Drake London from USC that could totally make a difference? I think he's a bigger version of D hop. Mm. I I mean, he catches so many contested balls. Paul, his hands are huge. I think Drake London is a guy that man, if he were there at number 23, boy, I I don't know. You got to start drooling, don't you?
2: Are you concerned though that Drake London won't run the forty because you know Mike they, a lot of com- a lot of comparisons to Mike Evans, but Mike Evans went out there and ran a four or five something at his size yeah and-, and, I,
0: and I think most people think he'd run a four or five Paul he'd run a four five five Drake London.
2: Okay, I, I just get a you little know, worried that at his size, will he be able to get separation? And I, I know how strong he is, you know, and contested catches oh, and, yeah, you know, and play strength. But I get it. it. And Drew Dixon like, cited that as well.
0: It's kind of like D Hop. I mean, D Hop is not a run by guy, he just isn't. How many contested passes do you see DeAndre Hopkins right. catch? Happens well, all the time. And Drake London, just like that.
2: To address your original question, what sort of receiver would you go at? You know, a lot of receiver coaches and offensive coordinators want a receiver room that looks like a basketball team. You want one of every sort of position. Right. You want the smaller, quick guy in the slot. You want the big guy on the outside that would be your five, right? I mean, you want the different size guys. So, with that being the case, you can give me Traylon Burks and hashtag (laughs) who wants them. And we're just going to... I mean, Absolutely. And by the way, uh, for more on everything related to the draft, you got to hit up the Dave Pash podcast. This week's guest, about NFL Network draft analyst extraordinaire Daniel Jeremiah, wherever you get your podcast, and you can follow via Twitter at PashPod. We'll continue to talk about the Cardinals, recap what AJ Green had to say, and did you see Flight Plan next on the Big Red Rage?
4: got to play your best football at the most important times of the year Um, and and I obviously don't think that we did that. I hope it's motivation for every single guy on the team to do everything in their power to make sure that we're not in a situation like that again the back half of the season and then specifically uh, what happened in the playoffs. So if you can't look at that game and you can't walk out of that stadium feeling motivation and wanting to work harder and wanting to be better and wanting to do everything
3: that you can
2: JJ Watt earlier this week, and if I had asked him, I just said, Was there a lesson learned from the way last season ended? And if so, what? That was his response, which uh, just the look on his face, the manner in which he delivered that, uh, you can sense that it's still raw with a lot of guys, the way last season ended, losing five of your final six. You heard what A.J. Green said earlier in this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. I asked him, how much do you think the offense left out there at the end of last season? He said a lot. He said, I gotta be better. He said, I said, why do you diagnose the problem? And A.J. Green was pretty forthright. He said, quote, you know, the leadership of the team tailed off a little bit. We gotta hone in on the details. Yeah. So, you're just hopeful that they tried to figure out that they have successfully figured out and deciphered what went wrong at the end of the season for a second straight season. And if they have, going full circle here, it gets back to your point, Wolf. Now you see the rhyme and reason to why they're bringing back the core players.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it, Paulie. You know, once again, uh, it's so important for people that are listening right now to understand that the mentality of a football player is not that of a front runner, Paul. It's not It's a guy that knows how to finish above all else. A guy that knows how to finish. A guy that knows the task at hand is never good unless you finish and finish strong. Polly, I can't tell you how many coaches will scream out. You'll hear it on the field, right? All the time. Finish! Finish! Right? They're screaming finish. Why? They're trying to get that into the head of... Of some player out there on the field, whatever it may be, to finish strong. Pauly, as a player, you're looking to do that individually. And you're looking to do that collectively. And that's why the look on J.J. Watt's face when you ask him that question, that's why it drooped, I'm sure. Because there's nothing worse for an individual, for a football player, and for a football team than not being able to finish.
2: And you've heard guys take accountability. AJ Green did today in that interview, right? You know, asked him, was it fair to say you weren't always on the same page with Kyler Murray? He said, absolutely fair. He said, I felt the same way. He said, I need to go to him more often. I need to communicate with him more. He's not a guy who's going to get in your face as often. I need to get in his face and make him talk to me, you know, make him tell me how I can be better. So, It's interesting if that's part of the plan. And then you hit Zoom out, and Michael Bidwell, this week, it was just released, Season 5, Episode 1 of Cardinals Flight Plan. This is all accessed behind the scenes, available now on the Cardinals' YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals. And the team owner talking about the strategy in free agency. If you look at the last five seasons, about two-thirds of the free agents that went to a different team and were paid more than $10 million played less than 75% play time many were not starters. Most of them didn't go to the Pro Bowl. Just because you spend a lot of money in free agency doesn't mean you get the greatest players out there. And frankly, when I look back at Steve's success, Steve has had great success signing players that people have sort of forgotten about a little bit after the draft. There are a lot of great players out there. Being aggressive also means being patient and taking the risk that great players are going to be out there and having the confidence that we'll be able to sign them at the right time. Cardinals' flight plan. Michael mm. Bidwell and Steve Kim said it today. Well, if he said the disadvantage in free agency is you don't know the p- person. You can see the player on film. You don't know the person. It's not like the draft where you go to the combine. You can interview him. You can have one of these thirty visits. You know, it's not the same that when free agency opens, you don't have that ability to get to know the person. And the immediate guy you think of most recently was Jordan Phillips, yeah. and how that did not work.
0: No, you're right about that, Polly. You know, once again, I'm I'm sorry, but the Cardinals were really aggressive last year in free agency. We know that last offseason. And this year, not so much, um, according to other people. But again, I think, Paulie, that is by design. <laughs> I think they looked at the fact they were 10-2 and and what made them 10-2. and I go back to, to the five games that were played with Max Williams. <laughs> with Max Williams as a tight end. And now, all of a sudden, you're going to bring Zach Ertz into that? As well, Pauly, you put Max Williams and Zach Ertz on the field in a rundown situation, first and ten, second and one to six, there's going to be problems with James Conner as your running back and DeAndre Hopkins and who knows on the other side. Maybe it's Rondell Moore. Maybe it's A.J. Green. Maybe it's somebody else they go out and get. But that could be real problems. It's it's. Undeniable, the Arizona Cardinals were 7-0, and and they were 10-2, and Paul. And right now, this free agent period so far, Steve Keim and the Arizona Cardinals said that was real. And we're going to go out and try to replicate it again.
2: And, and, you know, James Conner was banged up at the end. I think he only played two full games with Zach Ertz. So you get those two together, you add Max Williams. And then, for example, you go through the draft, and all of a sudden, or maybe right before the draft, the Cardinals signed a veteran edge rusher, maybe they get a Jadavian Clowney, maybe they get a Carlos Dunlap and Melvin Ingram, a one-year deal sort of that John Abraham, Dwight Freeney type thing, and that, that does change the outlook of what they've done in free agency to a significant degree, does it not?
0: Well, it does, especially when you look at the fact that the Cardinals were number five in sacks per attempt the year Chandler Jones didn't play, but five games he had one sack in those five games and the Cardinals overall they were number five in sacks per attempt because of scheme.
2: By the way, the NFL schedule came out today. The NFL schedule, the full schedule, will come out Thursday, May 12th, 5 o'clock our time. That's when the Cardinals will announce that full schedule. And for a season ticket priority list to get on that, azcardinals.com slash priority list. For A.J. Green, Jim Omohundro, Lauren Coble, for Ron Wolfley on Paul Calvesi, this has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Chaw.